Our scripture reading this morning comes from Exodus 14, verses 10 to 25. Listen now for a word from God. As Pharaoh drew near, the Israelites looked back, and there were the Egyptians advancing on them. In great fear, the Israelites cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the very thing we told you in Egypt? Let us alone so that we can serve the Egyptians? For it would have been, for, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. But Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish for you on the, today. For the Egyptians who you see today you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to keep still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry out to me? Tell the Israelites to go forward. But you, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the Israelites may go into the sea on dry ground. Then I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And so I will gain glory for myself over Pharaoh and all his army, his chariots, and his chariot drivers. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, when I have gained glory for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his chariot drivers. The angel of the Lord, who was going before the Israelite army, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved in front of them and took its place behind, moved from in front of them and took its place behind them. It came between the army of Egypt and the army of Israel. And so the cloud was there with the darkness, and it lit up the night. One did not come near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. The Israelites went into the sea on dry ground, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went into the sea after them, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and chariot drivers. At the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and cloud looked down on the Egyptian army and threw the Egyptian army into a panic. He clogged their chariot wheels so that they turned with difficulty. The Egyptians said, Let us free, flee from the Israelites, for the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Let me pray with you. Dear God, thank you for this story. I pray that you would open our ears and our eyes and our hearts and our minds to the message you have for us today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, you'll notice there's a prop here today, and we're going to do our um, time with a child as part of this sermon, and we are all going to experience the story as children in just a moment. So first, I want to tell you, the grass is always greener on the other side, isn't it? I experienced this in the most literal way uh, when Garrett and I moved to Montana. We moved into a house. Uh, that had not been treated very well by the people that lived there before us, to put it mildly. And one of the things the people did was treat the backyard as their own uh, personal garbage dump. And so before we moved in, they had rolls of cardboard.
carpet out in the yard and they had appliances out there and bags and bags of trash and by the time it got all cleaned up and we moved in, the backyard was just dirt, all dirt. And we did our very best with grass seed and water and there was some green by the time we moved, a little bit. It took a lot of time and it was mostly still dirt. And across the alley, we had this neighbor named Jeannie and she had the most beautiful, lush yard with the thickest, most just amazing grass you've ever seen. She had a hot tub, she had a garden, and I remember literally looking over the fence and thinking, her life is so much better than mine. Just, if I had that yard, all my problems would be solved. And I really felt that grass is always greener. But even if it's not literal, we all know that feeling, right? Comparing different situations or relationships or things in our lives and you know, we know from research that social media just makes this problem even worse, that we see pictures and images online and assume, oh, their relationships are so much better than mine, their job is so much better than mine, their health, their beauty, and it puts us in a state of depression, quite frankly. I think behind the grass is always greener mentality, there are actually some pretty deep questions that we're really asking. We're wondering things like, what is my significance? Where is God? What happens if I go to the wrong place? Where should I really be? The grass is always greener, really gets at these deeper questions within us all. And I think we see some of those questions with the people of God in the story of Moses that Josie just read for us. This is a scene that is very familiar to many of us in the book of Exodus, Moses leading the people through the Red Sea. We've seen it in art, we've seen it in movies, we've read it to children. This is sort of a pinnacle miracle moment for the people of God, but it's actually part of a much bigger story in this timeline of God's people. And throughout these generations in this timeline where this moment happens, they're asking some of those grass is greener questions. What's our significance? Where is God? What does true freedom really look like? So today I want to look at part of this story through a method called godly play. Some of you are familiar with this, some of you are not, but it's a very simple retelling of the story. We use this with children. In fact, we told this very story here at Peace Camp two weeks ago at Fort Street with kids. And in that story, the week of Peace Camp, the children helped me see it in a brand new way. And I want to bring some of that to you all. And so truly, this is a sermon of the Peace Camp kids. This is not my own. And I want you to wonder along with them and with us at this story. Now, if you're not familiar with Godly Play, it might feel kind of quiet and strange and maybe a little childlike, and that's okay. I encourage you to lean into that and to wonder as we tell this story together. Now, we've put the chairs in more of a circle today so that everyone can see. If you are not in a place where you can see very well, I invite you to move chairs or scoop where you can. If you would like to sit on the floor, front. You're also welcome to do that. Truly, kids, if you want to come forward to have a front row seat to this, um, this is a great place to see it. And I want you to be able to lean in. Robin and Garrett, thank you so much. You're always willing to take children. Thank you. 
Also, I will not have the microphone for this, so if you feel like you would hear better a little closer, I will try and project, but I really do invite you to come as close as you feel comfortable, as long as you're not touching. No touching, okay? Okay. Um, no, I'll hands to yourself, in general. Okay.
And in the end, I, I asked, I wonder where that was, or I wonder how they felt, and just sort of left some silence. And one of the kids said, I wonder if maybe the people of God should have stayed here where they were at the beginning. I know they didn't have food, but it got really hard in Egypt. Maybe they would have been better off if they just stayed. And another kid said, yeah, but they had food for at least a while, water in Egypt, so maybe that was better, but I don't know, then it got even worse there. And then one boy said, but I remember in the story, it says, God heard their cry even before they got to the Red Sea. So if God heard them even when things were hard, maybe they should have been there. And then one little girl said, maybe it took them going through the Red Sea to know God was with them there and there and there, and maybe that's why they danced. And then one fourth grade girl said, direct quote, maybe this is a grass isn't always greener sort of situation. <laughs> and I said, do you want to pray to us on She said, maybe God was there and there and there, and God showed them a way through, even when it was hard. It still gives me God is here, and here, and here, and everywhere. I wonder. So, can we start? And yet, for some reason, the pillar of smoke and the pillar of 
fire, that presence of God, did not lead them that way. It led them south into the wilderness. Craig Barnes is uh, our former uh, seminary president, and he talks about this story and says, you know, haven't we all ended up south of where we expected to be about now? This seems very relatable. When um, I graduated from high school, I'm old enough that I started doing uh, research for what college to go to in a book, not online, in a catalog. And I, I was a ballerina, I knew I wanted to do some kind of fine arts um, college experience, and so I had this catalog of fine arts dance programs. And um, I remember leafing through it and just wishing that God would put a spotlight down on one college name and there would be uh, flutes and heavenly angels singing and I would hear God's voice saying, this is the one to go to. And I saw all my friends deciding what they were going to do after high school and they seemed so certain and I had this grass is always greener mentality of, ah, they're just so sure and this, this kind of feels like a test and if I choose the wrong one, God might not be there. If I just go on my own way, it might not turn out well and I won't necessarily know and I'll be wandering forever. Wilderness sometimes is where God needs us to be. When we're asking those questions of grass is always greener, of significance and worthiness and presence of God, sometimes I think it's God intentionally taking us to a place where grass doesn't grow, where we can't compare the grass because we're only surrounded by sand and we have to acknowledge that it's the presence of God alone that gets us through the daily bread manna in the desert that is actually enough. My college experience ended up being very much a wilderness experience. I ended up dancing with a uh, ballet company and doing school part-time and then transferring, I kid you not, seven times before I finally graduated. I had multiple careers in between. I moved to three different states. I lived a lot of life, had a lot of passions, and there were certainly points in that journey where I thought, well, I made the wrong decision. I'm never gonna catch up with where God wants me to be. And then eventually, in this wilderness, I was able to stop and look back and think, no, God is here and here and here and here. And I've been where I'm supposed to be because I've been with God. I wonder what wilderness place looks like for you now. I wonder where you're tempted into grass is always greener thinking. My job is just not as good as that other job. I don't think I'm doing retirement right. My church isn't what I thought it would be right now. My health is not what I hoped it would be now. God cared about the freedom of these people in a very real, tangible way to release them from this bondage of slavery in Egypt. But in the course of the wilderness, I think God also showed them that freedom is about more than arriving at a promised land. Freedom is about acknowledging God's presence in the hard places all throughout the journey. When we lean on that trust, I think we can follow Miriam in dancing.
still have 40 years ahead of us as we see that God is there. Would you pray with me? Holy God, thank you for this story. Thank you for children showing us the way through. Thank you for your presence in the hard, for your release from bondage, and for your guidance throughout. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.